hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. Guys, the insurance market has a lot of changes taking place, especially in the last year and a half. There's frustration from a lot of agents out there with the hardening market, product changes from the carriers. If you're an independent agent who needs more options for your customers, uh, you know whether it's you need uh, a new carrier or you need 10 new carriers, uh, you're a new agency or you've been around for 30 years, uh, Smart Choice could be a great option for you to explore. You know, several of their agents have shared how dramatically their close ratio increased when they transitioned from a captive to an independent or they added more carriers through Smart Choice, all because they had those different options. One agent even called me and told me that he was closing at, you know, like a 15% on his leads before he made the switch. Now he's closing like 75 to 80%. They truly are a full-service program. They've got access to all the major PNC names, uh, programs to help you write commercial, life, ENS, specialty, all the above. They're national. They've got experienced reps in every single state. Go to smartchoiceagents.com. Tell them the mayor sent you. You'll be glad that you did. You know, guys, I also want to talk to you about my good friends over at CoverDesk. They do such a great job with the uh, virtual assistants. You know, and they're here to help you out. You know, um, their focus, uh, you know, they want you to focus on your clients. Um, Your clients get the help that they need when they need it. Their virtual assistants are fully dedicated to you. They support your business, your clients, and your growth, providing the service that your clients deserve. These allow, or this allows you to focus on building your agency and cultivating new business. It is a win-win to help your business grow. Go to CoverDesk.com, tell Andy that I sent you, and uh, you'll get you a discount and all that good stuff. But more importantly, you'll excel in your agency and you'll help your agency to grow. CoverDesk allows you to operate more efficiently with high-touch, client-facing virtual professionals. CoverDesk.com. Today, I'm super pumped that you're here because I've got an old friend of mine in here. I don't mean old in age. I mean old as in we've been friends a long time. (laughs) My buddy, Devin Bates, is here today from Oak Street Funding. We're going to talk all things mergers and acquisitions. And I think uh, this conversation is super fun. And, uh, you know, sit back. I want you to relax. I want you to enjoy my conversation with Miss Devin Bates. Devin Bates, how you doing, my friend? <laughs> doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, I'm so excited <laughs> that you are here. Uh, and, you know, it, it's exciting for me because I've known you for a long time, uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just never had the chance to get you on the show with me because I think there's a lot that we can unpack and a lot that we can do. And I just, I've just always uh, loved your personality, loved visiting with you, loved getting to know you over the last, I guess, maybe even seven or eight years. Um, how long have sure. you been there? Sure. Has, it been eight, has it been eight years? It's, I'm going on 10 right now. So yeah, Man. I've been here a little, a little while. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've known you a while and uh, yeah. I want my audience to get to know you. So let's take a walk down memory lane. And why don't you take okay. me back to the beginning you don't take me back to diapers or anything, but take me back as far as you want to. And let's go all the way forward to where you are today. Okay. All right. We don't want to go back to diapers because we'll be here all day and they don't want to hear about it. So remember, so you're only 22. I, that's right. And I started working when I was 21. So back when I was 21, no, kidding. Worked for State Farm and did a couple leads through different departments there, claims, 
um, did some training with agents, um, basically left State Farm after 22 years and started my own agency and um, had, had my daughter. And at that time, I was pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, getting people to come in and talk to me to sell some insurance to them. And I got to the point where my I was out of my house more than I was in the house, and I thought I need to have something scaled back that's a little more, um, had some boundaries with, you know, time to come in, time to go off, time to go home, that kind of thing. So a young lady by the name of Sarah Turner from Oak Street Funding called me, and she said, hey, I saw your resume. Why don't you come in and talk to me? This is, you know, we're a lender for insurance agents. And I knew that lending side of being an insurance agent was difficult to get money. Because a lot of the banks don't think we have we've had a tangible asset, which we do. It's just intangible. You know, banks want to get their hands and their claws into something, which would be, you know, your, your personal stuff. So she was telling me that what we do here is we allow them to tap into their mission stream. They can, we can provide money up to two times that amount. We've got a funding model that allows us to lend up to two times that amount. So we've got some components that we can connect with insurance agents that meet that can marry up beautifully together, and we can be able to work with them. So, but I've been here; I'm in my tenth year. So, and we help agents across the country, whatever that lending or um, growth need or developing need is, we can lend money to them for anything, and not have to tie. We keep their personal on the left, their business on the right, and everything doesn't go in the same basket. As we, as we're providing funding for them. There you go. Now let's go back to your agency owner days. Did you have experience firsthand in trying to get money or trying to get a loan? Mm -hmm. Is that what kind of propelled you there? Mm -hmm. Tell me about that experience for you. Well, and yes, I did, but I didn't even know at that time that the way we lend money, it was the way to go that route where I was getting um, money from one of my local banks that I worked with who had my personal stuff. And she says, you know, this is what we can lend because your house is, is valued at this amount of money. And I said, so if I'm coming in three years from now, what are my options? There? She said, really, once you tap out at the value of your home, we have to stop. So I thought, okay. And I did it. I did it. And I only had to do it one time. But I knew, I knew coming out of that experience with the bank, I was not going to be able to go, you know, too many more times to tap into the, you know, the, the value of my home where I was going to hit a ceiling real quick. So I had to use that money just wisely as I could. I tried to stretch it as much as I could. And when I got here to, to Oak Street Funding, I was going to tell me, you know, we can lend to anything for the entire tenure of the agency's term baby owner. And even when they step out and say, hey, I'm ready to hang up these keys and sell this agency, we can still turn around and help them sell it, talk to the buyers that are going to buy the agency. So if we can provide the funding, the buyer buys the agency, the seller can transition out to retirement or whatever that is, we can still continue carrying on saying that agency. There you go. So, yeah. you know, I guess going back to what you were just talking about, you know, one of the biggest things, uh, the valuation of the, you know, agency uh, or line of business mm -hmm. is usually the first step in a potential acquisition. This requires understanding of so many variables involved, whether it's, you know, right. future revenue stream, premiums, fees, charges, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, what, am I missing something there? Is there, you know, so much, is there anything else I'm missing there? Talk to me about the valuation and what that looks like as far as if I'm if I'm a listener to this show right now and I'm looking to, to grow by acquisition, uh, what am sure. I looking for? Um, what are some of those things that would help me? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
and, it, and it's not as hard as most people think. Basically, across the country, I would tell folks, this acquisition, I call it an acquisition arena, and I tell folks, you've got to get out here and maneuver to know how to maneuver, to learn how to maneuver here. Um, I always tell folks, there are websites out there that can help you. If you go to Google, type in insurance agencies for sale, they'll give you four or five websites out there. We're out there. We're on that list as well. And I tell them, go out and look in the areas where you'd like to purchase your agency. Look at what they're pricing there for. And across the country, agencies usually run, and I'm going to use these two words, up to two times the annual renewal commission. They sell for up to two times. Anything over that two-time multiple, doesn't, it doesn't take us out of the ballpark, but we can only lend on what those commissions say. Anything above that two-time multiple, those extra monies land back in the lap of the buyer and seller. But basically, if you, your agency is going to sell for up to two times the annual renewal commission. If you're looking for paperwork that you want to say, hey, I need to see what's in this agency, you're going to want to look at the seller's taxes, profit and loss, balance sheet, barrier contracts, things like that. Because what that really is telling, and I always say, you know, their taxes, I want to say, are more of the Bible. You would hope that the seller's not going to lie to the government, right? Pretty much. But right. That, those, those few things are going to really tell you what that agency looks like on paper. Because he can tell you what he has, but you, you really can't take that to the bank. You have to have right. something on paper to present to the lender and say, this is what I'm doing. I need this amount of money. This is going to tell you what I want to buy. Here it is. Here it is on paper. And that's what we do here. So we take these, this information, and I gather, like, if you're my potential buyer, I'm going to take he, his agency on paper. I get that down. Here's the agency that he wants to buy. He's going to combine this in his agency. This is the amount of money that he needs, and this is how he qualifies. And we take that to our underwriters and say, can you get your hands wrapped around this? Can we get comfortable with this deal, basically? But backing up a little bit, what you need to see or what you need to ask for to, with that seller is taxes. I do three years. We do three years. Balance okay. Because what goes down? Go ahead. No, keep going. Um, taxes, okay. balance so, sheet. Yeah. My audience is probably three on the edge of their seat. Okay. So three years taxes, profit and loss or P&L, and a balance sheet because you take that that balance sheet and that P&L and you cross-reference it to taxes to make sure. The three years is going to tell you if she's growing, she's growing, or she's not, right? Because right. What, she, what they're going to claim on that income line of the taxes is either going to go up, it may fluctuate in between that second year, it may go straight across, it may be 10. But that's going to give you pretty much what you need to see to say, I'm going to continue talking to the seller because I really want this. This is, this is something that I want to purchase. Okay, so when a company is going through merger acquisition, the more informed the yes. buyer and seller is, the better. And a lot of buyers and sellers, sellers I'm hearing about, they often consider a third-party audit or a quality of earnings audit. While these are separate, they're also similar. Can you talk to my audience about, about this, what the differences is and the similarities in a financial statement audit versus a quality of earning audit? Well, see, and I can't speak to that. And that's why I, I tell folks, go out and look at these websites. These, these, the paperwork that, that we suggest that you find are just as good as paying money to have an audit done. They're not bad to have done if you want to have an extra um, solidified answer as to what this agency really is. And they're going to do the same thing that we do. They're going to look at their taxes. 
They're going to look at their balance sheet and their P&L, and they're going to look at their contract. They're not going to do any, more than likely will not do anything different than what we are doing right here. And that sounds very elementary because, yes, this is a big transaction. It's your livelihood. It's the seller's livelihood. It's yours. And you're getting ready to buy it. And if there's something that's not there that this seller says, I've got X amount, really doesn't have that. That's what we do with the taxes and the other two items, the P&L and the balance sheet, to make sure, and the carrier contract, to make sure before we do anything uh, tangible, to make sure that what they've got is what what he's selling is what he has and what you're going to be able to purchase. Okay, so... so No, you're fine. I get it. So let me me ask you this. Okay, so I talk to a lot of agents, and I have a lot of uh, listeners right now uh, across the country that are listening... Uh, that, you know, when I talk to, and I, I want you to answer this for me and what you see, mm-hmm. do you see more agencies mm-hmm. buying books of business for the carriers that they're trying to acquire or to grow their own books? Or is it a combination of both? Or are they looking to get it? Like if I'm a commercial lines uh, agent listening to this show right now, mm-hmm. and I want to grow personal, would I look to grow by purchasing a personal lines agency or if I'm vice versa? trying to get in the commercial space. Am I going to look for a commercial agency? Uh, What do you see in that? Do you see more people buying for carriers or buying for books or buying to get a niche? What do you see in that when you're out there the last 10 years? Can I say yes, yes, and yes? It is because most, I I hear this question. What's the average size of an agency? There isn't one because you've got Joe Smith coming in last year, he started scratch. You've got William Johnson, who has been in the industry forever. You know, you've got people everywhere, everywhere in between there, you know, one year, five year, 20 year, 30 year, 40, 50 years. He's, we've got folks in a, in a family business that I'm talking to right now. They've been in it for 104 years. Nobody's agency is going to be the same. So, and, and, and I wake up to this. You've got two women that come in your office to buy insurance for their car. They're the same age. They drive the same car, but even though they're driving, the, they're the same age and driving the same car, they're going to bring other components in there. You're not going to be able to put them in the same policy. Same thing with your agency. There's, I can't even imagine that there's two of the same exact agencies everywhere because you. not only that, with the tenure in the agency, you're talking about there, some of them are doing all commercial or all PNC. People are not, one person can come in and say, I'm doing PNC, but I'm only doing homeowner's insurance. I'm only doing life. So you, have to, you have to take into consideration what their products are that they're selling. And that's all out of whack. Not that that's a bad thing, but their interest in what they want to sell is different. So I've never seen in 10 years that I've seen an agency that looks the same. Because then you have to also incorporate volume. How much how much commissions do they bring in every year? That's different for everybody. So it's it, it all relative for what you want to do, you know, I have buyers come in and say, I want a million-dollar agency. And I tell them, this is not a drive-through. You're going to have to either attain that bit by bit doing three or four acquisitions at once to get that million-dollar, or you can continue to look, and you'll be looking for a very long time because everybody that's looking for an acquisition, we are all literally looking for a needle in the haystack because so, there's so many different components that you have to put together to see the big picture to say, this is the one I want to go after. So you mean it's not Burger King, can't have it your way? Um, no. <laughs> if it was that easy, if it was that easy, I'd be doing it. You know? I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. So, you know, and I talk, easy. 
No, it's not. And when I talk to agencies that, you know, are looking at a book or looking at this or that, they might say, you know, I, I don't want to get into that book because it's, you know, non-standard auto and they've got a lot of fees, you right. know, that, that roll into right. that. I, I still right. say, you know, there's nothing wrong with a non-standard agency and those fees. But, you know, if you don't know that business, you may not want to buy that book. Um, or right. if you're going to, you might want to research or maybe see if the owner will stay on for a few years and help you out during that. Or they may say, I I don't want to get into that agency because I don't want to take on that much staff or they don't have enough staff or I don't have the staff to do it. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of excuses Mm -hmm. of why you may not want to. What do you say to those folks? And and, and if if you're going to tell me, I can say it all the time, elementary, but I'm going to say it. If your gut tells you something's wrong, something's wrong. Or if your gut tells, tells you don't do it, there's a reason for that. Now, you can do one of two things. You can stay there and try to figure out what that is. Or you can walk away from it. And it's hard to walk away when you find something that you think you want to buy because you think you've got, this is it. But the other thing is, too, you have to understand that I equate buying an agency to two things. Locating your spouse, buying a home. Dinner with somebody sitting across the table from you. You have dinner. By the time the bill comes, you know I'm going to call or I'm not going to call. You know that. There's automatically... If you're looking at the 13th house that you looked at in two months, and you and your spouse walk in and say, okay, we've got four bedrooms, we've got a three-car garage, we've got an acre of land, but we don't have the pool that we want to be in it already to go, but we've got it under the sale price that we can get the pool in there the way we want it. Somebody says, our house. You know what you know when you know it, and you know what you know when you don't, when you know what you don't, you shouldn't buy it. You know what I mean? Your gut is definitely your compass. You need to, you need to stick with that. I think yeah. it's huge. Now, uh, what are some, uh, this is some good advice. Uh, what are some other things that uh, if audience is listening and they're looking to get into uh, a, a buying an agency or growing by this you yeah. know, method of M&As, what's yep. some other, you know, you know, gold nuggets you can throw out there? Cause you're, you're rolling through here. I enjoy it. Okay. So a couple of things. We market, we're in Indiana. And your clients are everywhere, and so are ours. So I tell people, we can market and shop and look at seller, who's selling, who's buying, to get them out on our website. We've got, a, we've got a page for the sellers, and we've got a page for the buyers. So sellers can come and say, who's, who's buying in my area? We can ask um, buyers come and say, who's selling in my area? But buyers and sellers, I'm going to speak specifically to the buyers, though. Buyers have their booths on the ground where they are. They could be out going to lunch of a Saturday and find an independent agency in a, in a part of town where they go, man, I'd like to have a footprint right here, right? So what I suggest is get the name of the agency, go back to their website, look at their bio. These guys that have been in these um, neighborhoods for years, they're going to have something out on their website saying, hey, we've been here for 35 years and we've been entrenched in the community. And I'm thinking... That's good for their policyholders to hear, but for us who are looking for sellers, I say, how long are you going to be here? When are you leaving? And that's not a bad thing, but you want to be able to go in there and say, I found this agent who's been in the community for 35 years. I'm going to start calling him, bridging this gap, hopefully building a relationship with him or her that not if they're going to sell, but when they sell, 
my name is going to be the first one that I want to pop up in their email with that. And there are many ways that that can happen. I don't know. Get yourself a, a calling list. Let's just say eight to ten agents. Call them up. I say, hey, he's at seven. I'm an agent in the next county. I'd like to come in and just kind of stick your brain a little bit about, you know, the insurance agent, the insurance world. But can I buy you a sandwich? Can we sit down and talk? Um, even if they don't bite for that coffee or that sandwich, even if you call, I would call you every couple of months and say, hey, Devin, I, just, I, I know I called last week. I'm trying to get my feet wet in the acquisition arena. I would like to talk to you. You've been in this um, community for a long time. Can we sit down and talk about, you know, if you know anything about it? And, and the thing is, what you're doing, you're planting a seed. Whether that seller says, I'm not going to sell. I'm going to die in this chair. Um, I'm not going to sell for a couple of years. That's okay. You're still planting a seed where I would rotate him around about every six weeks or so on the way to work, make a phone call. You leave a message. He may not answer, but he's going to hear your name, right? And then if, if he says, I'm going to die in this chair, I'm not going to sell. He goes to wake up on Saturday morning. His wife says, hey, buddy, I want to go visit my grandkids. Sell that thing. Or he goes in for a physical. He walks into the doctor's office. He's He's, a, he's, a, he's an owner, but he may get some bad news on the other side of that visit where he walks out he's a seller. He's got to make some changes. And if you already planted that seed of leaving a message or trying to get through to him or her throughout, you know, whatever, six to eight to 12 months or weeks, whatever that is, he's going to get you on the phone. But that way he doesn't have to look very far and talk to somebody that may be a good fit for that agency and for you to be able to come in and take care of his folks and his policy. Well, it sounds like what you're saying, it's no different than a, a commercial agent, for example, you know, that's been chasing that same prospect for two or three years. They're right. going to stay in front of them and right. stay in front of them. Eventually, that's they're right. going to shop their insurance. Eventually, that's they're right. going to, their agent's going to move on or their agent's going to retire. Right. And then you're right there right. fresh in that seat. And then they call and say, hey, right. Devin, you've been yep. calling me for several years. I'd love for you to quote my insurance this year. My yep. agent's retiring. Yep. Very similar. Yes, yes. And the other thing is I tell people, tell everybody. Tell your friends, hey, guys, thanks for coming for dinner. I'm looking for an agency to buy. If you get a, a, a letter from your insurance agent that he's leaving in the next 30, 60, 90 days, will you let me know because I want to go talk to them. And that's a nice warm lead because you're talking to other policyholders and you're going in to talk to this seller saying, hey, John Smith gave you your letter. He said that you were looking to sell. We're real good friends. We grew up with the college together, whatever that is. And you'll be able to get in and talk to that seller because it's hard for them to talk about it because they're trying to keep it under the wire that everybody doesn't need to know. I don't want my staff people knowing this, that they have to do this delicate dance to get this thing to sell without anybody outside of their office knowing what they're doing. And they don't let a lot of people in. Makes sense? Yeah, I, I like that. I like that advice of uh, sharing that with people, even outside the industry, Everyone. because you're always going to find it. That's or, right. you know, the next thing I would say is even in your networking groups, your B&I groups, your chamber of commerce, your rotary club, things like that, share that mm -hmm. information, let them know. Sure. If you put out a, a, a weekly newsletter, a monthly newsletter, you might put that out there. Right. Um, right. Also, on that same note about the community, let me ask you this. As your advice, um, if uh, agencies look in to buy, would you suggest that, let's say they're going, like you said, I'm going to go a town over. Would you suggest that person call around, let's say the local chamber, the rotary, call the 
the uh, Better Business Bureau, the whatever, and say, hey, what do you know, you know, about agencies around here? Is this agency, even if they're in conversations with an agent, to so be able to say, hey, mm-hmm. what do you know about, you know, John Smith Insurance Agency or ABC right. Insurance Agency? Would you say do your homework in that way too? You have to. Here's another good thing. And you can get the same information that your carrier reps that come to your office once a month. I tell them, I'm looking to buy an agency. If you hear anybody selling, please let me know. Because they're not only coming into your office. They're going into a whole lot of other people's offices as well. Oh, yeah. As an ex, as an ex, or former, I should say. As a former carrier rep, I was the same way. Yeah, I was a a huge resource. And I helped a lot of agencies uh, even guests have been on this show. I've helped them find agencies because I knew about which ones were selling, right. which ones were good, which right. ones were not. I knew the story of one of them, if they didn't have a, a perpetuation plan or if they did. Right. And that's another thing you could use uh, as a, a calling card. Just to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, uh, what's your perpetuation plan for your agency? Sure, sure. If they and, don't and, have and a, a son or a daughter, if they don't have a nephew, right. or they don't have right. a cousin or somebody looking to get into it you know, then you might have your chance there. And well, and, and some of these sellers will call and say, I have kids, but they have no desire to um, take over this business. So I have to sell it. Yeah. 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 So uh, change of gears a minute. Okay. So 2020, obviously we saw unprecedented times, unprecedented times usually lead to right. opportunities. Did you see a re-energized M&A activity for 2021 for agents? I know I mean, we right. saw it on the carrier side. We saw Allstate with Nat Gen. We saw State Auto, Liberty Mutual, right. Farmers, and MetLife. We saw a lot of that yep. on the carrier side. But did you see a ramp up and a re-energize? How do you say that? Re-energize? Shoot, <laughs> re-energizing? My goodness, yep. I can't talk. The re-energizing there of that go. on the agency side. It has been a constant. Um, I think it's going to be very steady because it is honestly organically growing. Your agency is great but be able to pull a nice chunk of commissions right away where you can get paid on those the month after the deal is closed is what everybody's really trying to do. But the thing is, I, you have to get out here and you have to do the, you have to do some legwork with it. You know, and, and, and that's hard to do when you're trying to build that agency, keep all cylinders running inside that agency, and then you come back out. I was telling that's your other job is trying to find those 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 owners or those slash sellers that are out here that are transitioning into um, getting these agencies ready to sell because you have to be in the right place at the right time. Man, I love that guitar riff. Uh, But you know what that means? We're at a mid-roll ad. I got to talk to you about my friends over at Canopy Connect. They are your one-click solution to getting the deck pages You need to quote your prospect. You know, lately I've been doing some demos with them and introducing them to some of you, my citizens out there. And each time that happens, you guys sign up and you call me weeks later like, oh my gosh, you were not lying. This is unbelievable. Uh, It actually works. I send this to my customers. Within seconds, I get the deck pages. They think it's great. I think it's great. And now you can create customizable links for your referral partner that you can send them that they use. And again, it sends you those deck pages in seconds. You get your business done. Uh, the customer's happy. The referral partner's happy. You're right in business, improving your agency. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Uh, check it out. Use canopy.com. Tell them the mayor sent you. Let's get back to the show. 
Yeah, no, you're right. Um, we also yeah. saw with this, you know, pandemic that we're right in the middle of or tail end of or whatever we call it. Right. What we're in right now. Hopefully we've seen, the tail end. <laughs> sure. But we've seen yeah. a major shift in the way we do business. We've seen a major shift in, you know, virtual offices and, and doing business yep. in other states. And it's just totally ramped up over the last year and a half. Um, yeah. Would you say that that has caused more agencies to look at, if I'm in Arkansas, uh, shout out to my listeners in Arkansas, and they want to look mm-hmm. by an agency in Wyoming. Why not? You know, it, it's all virtual Why anyway not? now. It's, or by an agency in Nevada yep. or Texas or South Dakota, for Correct. that matter. Uh, do you see more of Correct. that? Um, I, I see a lot. I will say this: New York, up in the east, east corner of the country, they all want to slide down into Florida. They do it there. I've got a, we've got a couple people that have um, agencies in a cold climate who wants to go, you know, some of them want to go to California. We've seen it, not very much, but, you know, people always say, where's the best place to have an agency? And I say, where you see homes and people driving. (laughs) If they're driving where you are, they need insurance. A hundred percent. I think that's, you know, I just, I just interested. I I really thought you would have said, yes, I'm seeing a lot more of those Mm -hmm. agencies buying in other States because of the whole virtual thing, because their staff's at home anyway, they're selling to their clients right. virtually anyway. Right. They're using video yeah, now yeah. and they're they're doing video proposals or they're doing, you know, marketing campaigns right. across territories and states. And so I really thought you would have said it, yes. So that's interesting. I think I think it's going to pick up because they're now now um, morphing into being able to do this kind of thing from home these days. And I think it's gonna pick up. But it, I don't see I, I can't imagine it not. I, I've worked with one guy that um, those things via email and he's been doing it for the last let's see he was the last 11 years and he's done well he's doing well with it but I think it's going to pick up now since we've now shifted out of the office and now at home because we've had to adapt to do it in our homes now so it'll probably pick up I would think it would yeah we've seen and that's yeah yeah yeah. no we've seen a lot over the last or at least I should say I have and I'm sure you have too we all have seen over the last three, four, five, seven, eight years, whatever it might be, a lot of these larger, mm-hmm. big ABC houses, the big bank-owned agencies, gobbling up these smaller agencies. Um, sure. And the and, and they're buying them at large multiples. I know you mentioned earlier, y'all like to go in the two times multiple, but I've heard of like large, four times multiples and even larger. Yep. What, I mean, what are they seeing in that? Obviously, they're looking for the long game because it's going to take a while to recoup that money. But what's what's going on there? What's your thoughts on that? Okay, so we I consider us being Oak Street and buyers and sellers. Buyers, and more importantly, we're on the ground floor. These bigger carriers, these banks, they've got deeper pockets than we do. You know what I mean? And 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 the thing is, I always say. They're going to offer money right now. We've got a check. We're going to pay you four times your revenue stream, and and sellers are taking it because they're not going to get that offer again. They're not. They won't get. They won't get two. They'll get nothing more than two times out of us. And most banks and lenders who provide stuff to um, lender lend money to agents can't cannot do that because it's for for example for us. Anything over that two-time multiple is going to get handed off to somebody else. It's going to go back to the buyer's lap or the seller's lap. Excuse me, the buyer's lap or the seller's lap to carry that extra overage. Now, there are some buyers out here that do have somewhat of a little bit deeper pocket that if they, I want to have this particular 
agency in this particular location of the city that I live in. And they may pay three times, and they may pay it all out at once, but they've already been, they've been planning for that for years. But they won't they've, get that money from a lender. But yeah, they but what I'm saying, yeah, but what I'm interested in is, and this is just me wanting to know, and I'm sure there's somebody out there listening yeah. that wants to know too, but do they know something we yeah. don't know to pay four times multiple what are they, you know, do they, are they going in and just letting go of the staff or are they cutting some expenses somewhere? Do they know something we don't know? What do you, what's going on? There? Everything, because at that point they're in charge. The seller is gone. And I always tell folks, a good seller will say, I'm going to wait and talk to my buyer because I want my buyer. As I told my, my, my boss when I was leaving my agency, I said, please don't have somebody come in here and mistreat my, my policy holders. Good sellers will wait and say, I'm going to try and find somebody that I know and hopefully trust that they'll be able to come in here and take care of my staff and my policy holders. But these big guys come in and they offer what, that's why they offer that big multiple because the seller can go, I'm not going to get this again. So I'm going to, I'm going to go and grab it. And I, if I were them, I probably would do the same thing. Sure. But you, and once you sell that thing, you're done. You have no more control. They can do whatever they want. They can shut the whole thing down. And what, what some banks are doing is they're buying these agencies, they're pulling the policies into their bank. They have no overhead, right? Because everybody's coming to the bank to pay their policies or they mail that into the bank. They're processing those payments where, you know, then they eventually say, we've got your, your bank account, we've got your savings account, we've got your umbrella account, we've got your insurance here, we've got everything, your homeowners is in here. The right. Yep. How last question on this thing. How often do you see, uh, let's say a percentage, uh, let's do, I don't know if you're a gambling person, but we'll do this just for fun. An over <laughs> under, do you understand over unders? Mm-hmm. If I were to do, uh, okay, going. if I were to do an over under of uh, 50%, would you say that it'd be over 50% or less than 50% of the multiple being more than 2% or I mean two times? So would you say you're seeing more agencies it's selling under. at two times? It's well, under? So, yep. so you're saying it's two times yeah, or less? I will say this: it, it, it hovers, it hovers at two times. Because I mean, if you're if you're selling and you know that's the multiple that you can definitely get if you're asking for it and you find the right buyer, you can get that from a lender. But if you are, um, I'm going to say it hovers at two times, okay. right? Unless you're dealing with non-standard. But usually, when you're talking about something that's over two times. I will say Erie books are good. They usually hover over two times. Um, all state books usually hover over two times. But once you get where the rubber, when the rubber meets the road, some of, most of the time those guys need to back down off that price because they right. won't pay it. But I got gotcha. you. I always tell people, if you find the agency that in your gut you say, this is, this is mine, and, and he wants three times, don't let that scare you. Go in, do your due diligence, look at that book on paper, give that guy a fair offer because usually when they're over two times, they sit out there longer, they may get tired, and you don't know what that guy or that gal's been thinking. Being a seller, they could have walked home last night and said, if somebody comes in here tomorrow and gives me a fair price, taking it. You have nothing to lose, everything to gain. And even if they hang out there for a while, you keep your name out in front of that seller, you tell them, hey, Keith, it's Devin. You and I talked about your your agency. I know you want X amount of multiples over whatever that is. If this goes in a different direction, please keep me in mind. I want to buy your agency. If he's just out there long enough, he'll call you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so 
moving along the conversation, what would you say um, are a couple of red flags as you're looking to buy agencies that you should uh-huh. be aware of? Give me some red flags. Okay. I, I'm working with a gentleman right now. The seller did not want to give us, and we asked for the same thing. Like I said, the, the auditor will or the, the guy that's going to evaluate three years taxes, P&L, latest balance sheet, um, carrier contract. He did not want to give us the taxes. And I said, Sir, I, I, I can tell this is your first time that you sold this, and that's okay. But if you're going to ask for a half a million dollars for your agency, and you say, I can't see it, you're in New Mexico. You're selling your agency. It's a half a million dollars. I'm going to write, I'm going, it's going to be very easy for me to write a check for $500,000 to you or to the seller or to the buyer to pay you, but I haven't seen a thing. can't do it. You can't do it. So if, if, if they really want to sell, they're going to give you everything that you need. Everything. Okay. Because they want to sell. And, and if they, if they, hopefully they will learn eventually, hopefully before it's too late, that these three things that people are requesting are things that are requested all the time. Banks want them. We want lenders, commission. Everybody wants them. That's what we need to see. And we don't care what you're doing on your taxes because we don't have to answer for your taxes. You do, right? We just want to make <laughs> right. sure that our client <laughs> is able to get what he's supposed to get when you say, I'm selling $100,000 worth of commission. And we want to make sure that that's what our client gets because if we don't pay attention to that, a client loses and then who are they mad at? Uh, I tell them, I don't want that call. I don't want to take that call. I don't ever want to be in the position to have to take that call. People say, you know, you guys do a rigorous lending process. Yes, we do, because we want to make sure that when we get you out on the other side, what you're supposed to have is what you've got in that agency. And the only thing that you have to worry about is growing once we get done. We don't want to call you and say, hey, Heath, well, we forgot to do, or we needed help. No, no. There there are things with these, if, if, if people are hesitant to give you paperwork, numbers, things for you to look at to compare your apples to his or her apples and you don't get it. Here's the other thing. When they don't get it, listen to what your gut's saying. If, you're, if your siren goes off, you, you, you got to make a decision. Because that's what you need to see. There you go. Um, yep. Okay. I, yeah. It, it, here's one more. Here's one more. I love the it. Seller, Keep going. You're killing it, girl. If the seller doesn't want to hold a seller note, meaning he doesn't want to have a vested interest in his agency and his policyholders and his staff being taken care of. Meaning, if you hold a 15% note for the seller, and you hold this amount back, I'll pay, I'm the, I'm the buyer, I'll pay you over time. And what that is, basically, is it allows you to get your footing as the new owner, get this agency up and running, and it prevents the seller from coming and stealing what he just sold. People who say, I'll, I'll, I'll pay 100%. So, no, I'm not. people call us and say, do you do 100% financing? Absolutely not. We want to have some protection. I mean, we're dealing with an intangible asset. We want to make sure that we've got some leverage for us and for you being the buyer. Everybody has to have skin in the game here. This is huge. This is a big deal. Big deal. There you go. And if, they, um, if, they, if they come across saying, I, I'm not going to hold anything. Now, there are some. I had one guy that was selling up on the East Coast. He was 90 years old. He wanted to sell. The guy wanted out. The guy's been in insurance his whole life. I, we were able to say, okay, he, let the guy go. Let him go. We'll do a structure of you know, 95.5 or 90.10 that, that we can cut out the seller. He, he's 90. You know, there are some people who have health issues. 
and I mean health issues, where we take into consideration where, you know, the wife, you know, health is failing, whatever that is. But 95% of the time, we have a structure, 80, 15, 5. We come with up, up to 80% of the purchase price. The seller holds a note of 15%. The seller comes to the table with cash. The seller can walk away with up to 85% of the purchase price. He just has to hold 15, right? So if you can walk away with that kind of money and hold 15%, have the buyer pay that 15% back to you over time, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Um, I like it. So another thing I wanted to I get questions about. Um, sure. Talk to me about, you know, buying the book versus buying the mm-hmm. business or buying the mm-hmm. corporation, whatever that the mm-hmm. terminology is. So an asset purchase is the policy. Stock purchase is walls, everything in, bricks outside in. But most of the time people are um, buying just the policy. If they can get it to where this agency is close enough, they can roll it in to their current agency, they do that. Um, but I've got a couple, you know, I've had people, it's not unusual for them to say, I'm on two locations, right? So what, what I always say, either way it goes, if the seller is willing to stay through a transitional period, and that can be one of many things. If the seller doesn't want to stay, it's good to have staff that stays, but you want to have somebody from that, a familiar face from that agency still looking at these policyholders as they come in as this transition happens from seller to new owner right? So it doesn't really matter. It's all relative as to how you want this to grow. I always say if a seller doesn't want to say that to me, it's kind of rude. But I always tell being available through the transition could mean many things. I have people that say, I'm going to stay for, you know, three weeks. I want to work part-time. I want to sell commercial. Um, I'll be available for a month in the office and then by phone for six months. I've got a guy that says, whenever they call, I pick up the phone. I want them to do well. I'm not in the office, but I've handed them off to my policyholders, and now I'm available by phone for them on their behalf for six months. So it can, it can go as long as the they're, they're making these arrangements where the seller's shaking his head yes, the buyer, she's shaking her head yes. They can move forward in any way they want as long as it works for the both of them. Yeah. Right. Well, with that being said, do you see, you know, different like uh, contract clauses put in, like whether it's a retention clause or a non-compete yeah. clause or... Mm-hmm. You know, whatever Not that may solicit. be. Yeah. Is that yeah. something y'all do or is that something they work out on their own? And no. y'all just part of the funding? Where, where does that come into play? Right. Or you see that a lot. Yeah. What, what we say is we're going to match you or put you in touch with the seller. You guys are going to draw up the transaction on it. So we always suggest that, you know, if you've got, you've got attorney, somebody accountant, somebody can help you with that. But again, go back to you guys are going to draw up the transaction. Okay. And you bring it to us. We'll look at the purchase price take it to our label folks. If they're okay with it, we may ask to tweak a few things or push things around a little bit. But we normally leave the, the, the generalities or the components of the transaction up to the buyer the seller, okay? Because they're the one that's going to have to sign this thing. You know, if they can sit down and hash this out together, why we want to jump in the middle of that? And, and we can't because there's a boundary we have to stay behind because we're trying to provide that funding and we're working for the buyer that if, you know, the seller goes, I don't want to do in this because you're trying to, you know, make it better for him. So we just take a step back and together, you guys work this out. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, doesn't that affect the loan if it's on a retention clause of whatever percentage and it doesn't meet that? Let's say it's a 70% retention. Does that affect the loan on your side? No, no. Because what we do is when, when we're looking at the purchase price, we isolate, let's just stick with easy numbers. The purchase price is a hundred grand. 
we isolate about $50,000 worth of commission. And what we go then to do then there is we look at the carriers because we try to put the smallest footprint on the agency that we can. So let's just say hypothetically, um, Hartford for the year brings in $20,000. Progressive brings in sixty. Those are the two smallest um, um, commission carriers. We tag those. We tell the buyer, we're going to use Progressive and Hartford. You need to take and write a note to the carrier and say, hey, I'd like to have these commissions redirected to this account until further notice. So if, if both of these carriers come in with $60,000 worth of commissions, we require that that's where they stay or they grow higher. Anything that goes below that, then we start making a phone call. But it doesn't, retention doesn't matter. Um, if we're comfortable with what is left in the agency and that the guy is capable of growing it, we can still work with that. So yeah. uh, but as we start to, to wrap up, I can't believe how fast time's gone by. Uh, what are some what are some trends that you're seeing that we can look forward to or look at coming down the pipe with you know regards to mergers and acquisitions? I know you said it's been steady the last ten years you've been there with the flow of things, but is there any trends coming in? Or is there anything that you're seeing, especially with new tech carriers coming into play, or with new tech vendors, or just the way business is being done? Do you see any trends coming down the pipe that we should be looking for? You may not like this, but I'm gonna say this. I, I, I see people walking their dogs, and sometimes I see dogs walking their, their people, right? This, this insurance arena walks up. There's no, there's no trend. The only trend I can really say that's happening and that has been happening is growing by acquisition. There's really, we don't have the luxury of turning the TV on and the, the anchor sits up there and says, hey, this is what's happening in the insurance arena right now. We don't have that, and we don't have a book for it either. It's it, it moves itself. It's a beast all of its own that if you don't get in there and ride it, it you could get lost. I can't, I don't see it any other way, honestly. Okay. It, rides, it, it moves itself, if that makes can, any sense. Right. No, I'm with you. Uh, that being said, I'm going to see if you can do this. Could you take off your Oak Street funding hat for just a second and answer okay. me a question? Okay. From Devin Bates' opinion outside of Oak Street, <laughs> is that a good thing? For our industry moving forward, all these mergers and acquisitions that we're having fewer and fewer players uh, because of the mergers and acquisitions, or do you think it's a good thing? We all need insurance. If we sure. have a place to go, we're going to get it. One hundred percent. That's the safest thing to say. Whether they're they're little tiny ones like you know a CVS on every corner and right across on the other side of the street, there's a Walgreens. They're all sitting there together. So we've got drugstores all over the place. Right. We can still go get our drugs. We can go get our band aids, whatever that is that we need. As long as we've got a place where we can send our money and walk in the front door or, you know, call somebody up on the phone and give them our debit card or credit card and pay our bill. And, and the thing is, if this is where we're heading, wherever it is that we're heading, we're going to have to adjust to it anyway. That's a it great analogy. Matter. The CVS it and Walgreens. Matter. That's a great analogy. Yeah, I see everywhere. that. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. It uh, or I live in a small town where... We've got Burger King, McDonald's, and Wendy's all on the same street. Um, and yeah. so I get it. So, um, yeah. no, that, that's a great analogy. So, um, yeah. that being said, uh, tell me, uh, you've given us some great insights into the M&A world that you've lived in and that we live in. Tell me a little about Oak Street mm-hmm. Funding in particular. What makes Oak Street Funding experience mm-hmm. uh, so special uh, not to say anything bad about anybody else, but tell me about Oak Street funding. Tell me about right. what you guys do every day 
and tell me what makes different from an SBA loan or from going out to the mm-hmm. bank. Tell me what makes you okay. different. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. We have a um, lending model that, again, allows us to be the agency lender, regardless of whether the seller's going out, there's a new owner coming in. We can still ride that wave with that agency throughout the years that these agencies are out here. The owner may change because bottom line is the more they grow, the more value they have, the more they're going to have to hire staff, but those commissions are still coming in. We've got a commission stream that will allow us to assist them with any of their growth, anything. Where you're talking about an SBA lender, they're usually a one and done. I've got a guy that, um, an old state guy that I'm working with right now, he had a loan with an FDA lender. He bought his current agency with it. And then he came here and he wanted some working capital. And he, I said, so as much as I hate to say it, you need to check to make sure you might need to ask them if they can loan you some more money. One, if they can't, how can, can you move this money? Well, first and foremost, they, they couldn't lend him anymore. There was no penalty to move it. And some of them do have penalties, but they were saying, I, we can't lend anymore out to you. We're done. This is it for us. Where we have repeat clients that come back to us. And mind you, we've got a rigorous program to be able to provide that funding, but we have a default rate that sits at about 1.2%, and it has been sitting there since I started here almost 10 years ago. Our default rate is awesome. But we, we make sure that what we do in our due diligence is, one, we do what is best for the client and for us. We don't want to back you in a corner. We don't want you to be strapped to your agency or to your home. You know, we want to make sure you keep your lights on, you take your wife to dinner, the, the, the son goes to T-ball, you go on vacation, your staff get paid every week. We want to make sure there's a balance there. And we can do that with the funding model that we have that allows us to continue to ride with that agency through, throughout 10 years of agency owners and sellers. Yeah. So talk to me about one of the things I get emails from Oak Street Funding um, with these yeah. great articles, things like that. Uh, I, it, it appears to me, and I want to hear it from you, um, putting your Oak Street Funding hat back on, so to speak. Uh, right. You guys like to educate people uh, and you have a lot of yeah. good free resources out there. Tell me about some of that. Well, we talk a lot about buying, building and selling because you're either in one of those three segments throughout your ownership. And what we really try to do first and foremost is we want to build a relationship. That's, that's the first thing we want to do because we want to make sure that you, you the, the agency owner, the agency buyer, the agency seller, know that we can be a great resource for you because we talk about, like we say, buying, either buying, building, or selling. We've got all these things. We do webinars. I know a lot of people do that, but we, we try to um, touch base with the agents that are sitting in our database. We don't try to bombard you guys because we know the volume of emails that you get. But hopefully what we're sending out, we really try to make sure it's got some heft to it and it's worth your time stopping to take a look at it. Yeah, I love uh, Rick Denon's uh, yeah. videos and okay. his vlogs. And it's so, yeah. edu- like he had one on debt versus equity and it was super, you know, uh, educational. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some of those. So if someone listening right now wanted to subscribe uh, to get some of those emails or to sure. you know find some of that, where would they find that info? Where would they find those videos? Do you have a YouTube channel, website? Well, we are on YouTube right now. Um, we also, I would say get, um, I'll leave my number here, 317-428-5160. If you can call me, my name's Devin Bates. Give me a call. I'm happy to get you guys signed up. To get our resources, they don't cost you anything. Really don't. Nothing that we have. We send it out. Hopefully everybody can take and use it and have something to chew on. 
to get yourself, you know, in your agency and get you guys moving in the right direction and rolling that way. And, and let me let me tell you, audience, another cool thing that I've used over the last 10 years. I know a lot of agents do. You can go to Oak Street Funding's website and find agencies for yep. sale in your backyard. Yep, for can. You could Oak type in, Again. type in a zip code or a, or a city, or you can find out who's for sale in a 50-mile radius or 100-mile radius. Uh, you guys can help them find those. So if you're looking, step one's already taken care of. You can go to the website sure. and find who's looking. Sure. And they give you a little snapshot. It'll say, my book is composed of this. We've got this percentage of this yep. versus that. There's, and you can create your own profile. Devin, tell them about sure creating can. their own profile and how you can help them or somebody yeah. in your so, can help them. Right. So we've got a web page for, again, like for the buyers that come in and say, hey, I'm, in, uh, I'm, I'm an independent owner looking to grow by acquisition. I'm looking for any sellers in the Indianapolis area. Or if I want to go, you know, I'm trying to get to Florida. So this, what these two pages allow us to do for the buyer side, the seller side, sellers can come in and say, I'm in the Indianapolis area. Who is looking? Can I go? It's like, I'll tell you my agent. It's, it's like our yellow pages, you know? And the other thing is when these sellers come in to list these agencies for sale, our system will, each time somebody comes in, it sends out an email to anybody in our database that wants a certain specific footprint, let's just say in Indianapolis. I've got one here for sale. We've got to where we can tag you to get listings from anywhere in the country. I've got folks that are looking nationwide. I've got people that are looking in, you know, a specific county. We can zero in on things um, and help you guys with, you know, whatever we, what we're able to locate. We can get that to you in an email. And those come out every Monday morning at about 4 a.m. if there is a listing in your, in your area. And we do, we send you everything, all the listings, because there are some people that say, I'm ready to switch over to, you know, a captive agency or any a captive is saying, I'm going to switch to independent. So we try to get them all out to you so you don't miss anything. And in the title, we've got it to where, you, you know, instead of reading this agency and go, oh, my gosh, this is great. And you look at it, it's, it's a captive agency and you're independent. But we'll put in the title, independent agency for sale all state agency for so you'll know right out of the gate whether you can continue reading or not. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan uh, of Oak Street, and I, I appreciate you coming on. I uh, appreciate sure. you leaving your phone number. Tell them, did you leave your email address? Tell them your email address, if you don't mind. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, yep. the website is oakstreetfunding.com, and there's a section where you can click Correct. on insurance. Or they do other things, too. But for this purposes, it's, you know, insurance agent resources. And there you can find the blogs. The newsletters, the testimonials, the loan calculator, mm-hmm. the videos, the blogs, mm-hmm. webinars, everything is right there. But tell them how they can get a hold of you if they wanted to follow up with yeah. you. So my email address is Devin, D-E-V-O-N dot eight, D as in boy, A-T-E-S at oakstreetfunding.com. My direct line, 317-428-5160. Happy to help. I love it. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I really, again, I appreciate you coming in and hanging out with us at insurance town and talking to the audience and mm-hmm. guys, make sure you reach out, find them on Facebook, find them on social, find Devin, uh, anything else you want to leave them with? Otherwise we're going to go ahead and sign off sister. Well, anybody across the country, there's anything that we, I say, if you know us, any, anything you have developing or, or growing as a growth plan, we can talk about it. It may not be now, it may be down the road. We may not be able to help you right away, but just we want you to have this information to use as a reference. And even if you don't know us and you have questions, 
we talk, we're more than happy to sit down and give you clarity where you need it, that you can understand it. And I always say, you know, compare your apples to apples because people have local banks that they work with, and they may be looking for something that they can put more money back in their pocket and have their agency pay for their growth as the agency as well. So, yeah, Thank you. Thank you again, Devin. Um, I really, really, really appreciate oh, you. My pleasure. Glad to help. Glad to help. Glad to have me. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for hanging out with me and Devin today in Insurance Town. I really hope that the content we brought you made you a better insurance professional. Guys, I am uh, super excited. I'm down here in, uh, or I'm over here in Vegas at ITC and I'm having a ball. You're going to hear some uh, recordings coming out soon and some episodes from some really cool vendors that I've met here. Can't wait for you to hear those. Uh, ITC has uh, been a huge conference. You have an opportunity next year to come check this out. You're not going to believe it. I mean, it's just, it's something like I've never seen before. Uh, guys, if you've got an idea for your own show, uh, similar to mine or totally different than mine, uh, check out my friends over at Ready, Set, Podcast. Uh, they do such a great job. You can find them on, you know, the social media pages, or you can just uh, go to GetReadySetPodcast.com. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.